One writer said this, You are today where your thoughts have brought you, and you will be tomorrow where your thoughts take you. You are today where your thoughts have brought you, and you will be tomorrow where your thoughts will take you. We talked about it last week, that our thoughts, they shape our life more than we ever have realized in the past. If you have an opinion about me, and then you talk to someone who doesn't like me, you're going to react differently to me. If you talk to my mom, you're going to have a completely different objective about who I am in a lot of ways. What you think about your spouse, what you think about your family, what you think about your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife, your mom, your dad, your grandparents, your coworkers, your neighbors, what you think about them will inevitably shape how you treat them. And I also shared about this last week, but I could not, I got to say it again, that our thoughts, they're like airplanes. And we sit in the terminal of life, and the airplanes are there waiting to take us somewhere, and we decide which airplane we're going to get on. And a lot of times, we'll just get on an airplane, and we won't even realize it. Hopefully, we don't do that in our real life, but we even more so, we'll do it in our mind. And we'll find ourselves on places like Negative Neighborhood, or Self-Pity City, or Miserable Municipality, or Prove Yourself Peninsula, or Discontent County. And we find ourselves there, and when we find ourselves there, we don't know how we got there. But even worse, so many times, we are there, and we don't know it. So how do we recognize when we are on one of these islands where we have jumped on a plane and it's taken us there? Well, there's a couple of fill-in-the-blanks there in your listening guide. Uh, the first way that we can recognize mind monsters are taking up space, that they're living rent-free in our own lives, number one is paying attention. Number one, paying attention to the conversations taking place in your own head. The inner dialogue happening right now as I talk in between these two ears. Ray, are they actually watching and listening to you? Is the woman who's texting really want me to keep talking? Is the man somewhere here going like this, listening to anything that I had to say? The inner dialogue. Do you got it? This is the things that maybe sometimes even on stage I process. What are they saying? There was an example of this in Matthew chapter 9, verse 21. There's a woman who's bleeding, and she actually has a dialogue with herself. In verse 21, it says, If I just touch his robe, speaking of Jesus, I'll be made well. We can also recognize mind monsters, number two, by paying attention to your moods. What's your overall trending mood? I know sometimes you have a bad mood, and you know by God's grace, that's going to happen. But what's your overall trending mood? Over the last maybe couple months, or six months, or a year, where has it been? Just ask your wife or your husband or your friends or your family. They'll tell you. And you can also recognize mind monsters by the conversations you're having. Where are those leading to? Is it towards, a, uh, is it towards Discontent County or Anger Alley or Worryville? Or is it towards something else? See, whether it's our moods or our inner dialogue or the conversations taking place, we're able to recognize the mind monsters in our life. But recognizing the mind monsters is just the start. You just can't stop there. You know, I, I played sports growing up. I love sports. But at some point, I transitioned from playing them to coaching. You know what they say, like those who can't play coach. And those who can't coach, they will sit on the sidelines and yell at the coaches and those who are playing and the, and the refs. And I'm not there yet, but I'm coaching. I had a player recently. I, I brought her up to me. I said, look, look, I want you to recognize what you're doing wrong on the field. And, and she got it. 
But it was not just enough for her to recognize what she was doing on the field. She had to change her mindset in order to execute. And that's what's needed next. You can't just recognize. You have to, you have to transform the mindset. Your brain transformed by the power of God in your life. And, and Paul was convicted of this. And so he writes this paragraph in Philippians chapter 2. And he believes with all his heart that the mind directly impacts the relationships in our life. And he writes to this. Look at it with me in verse 5. He says, In your relationships with one another. He, he's, he's sitting in prison and he says to the Philippians, He says, Look, I may be in prison, but I want you to think about the relationships in your life. Your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your in-laws, your outlaws, whoever it is, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And he quotes this song. And the song he quotes is actually, a lot of people think, are the words of Stephen, who was martyred. And he begins to quote this song. And the reason he quotes this song is because he wants the relationships in the Philippian church to be transformed. And I think it's just as applicable as it was back then, as it is today. He says, look, your mindset really does impact your life. And it's important enough that he would write this to them, even though in prison he doesn't know what the next day may bring. He says, look, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Pay attention to who is mastering your mind. A great way to look at this, this mindset is, does your mind mirror that of Christ Jesus? As one author said it best, I love it, outlook oftentimes determines outcome. Our mind left on its own, it's fallen. It's hostile to the things of God. It will resist the dominion and, and, and flourish and, and life and beauty and blessing of God. Every single time it has a chance to do so. Paul said it in Romans chapter 8, verse 6. He says, To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And without setting our minds on God, the, the mind is just subject to mind monster domination, and they live rent-free in your life. And that's the reason why Paul says these things. He says, look, you got to recognize, but then you have to set your mindset on something more. If you bake a cake and it doesn't turn out the way you want, you can blame the oven all day long. But that won't change the outcome of your next cake, will it? You can blame your circumstances all day long, but you will never change anything. If you want to change the outcome of the next cake, well, friend, you got to change the recipe. And Paul was saying, look, let's change the recipe. And the recipe is, instead of mind monsters mastering your mind, would you instead have Christ master it? And there's a prayer, there's an undergirding principle I'd love for you to learn this morning. And the principle is this, may the mind of the master, Christ, be the master of your mind. May the mind of the master be the master of of your mind. And, and Paul goes on to share several distinctives of what this kind of life looks like if you follow along with me. Look at verse 6. It says this, Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. There, one of my favorite scholars, James Montgomery Boyce, I love this. He says, In these few verses we see the great sweep of Christ's life. 
And we are admitted to the breathtaking purposes of God. They teach the deity of Christ, his preexistence, his equality with God the Father, his genuine humanity, his voluntary death on the cross, the certainty of his ultimate triumph over evil, and the permanence of his reign. Paul, in his words, says, being in very nature God. He's taking us into eternity past, where the theological understanding is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is God. That he's equal with God. And there's multiple conversations that Paul has in the New Testament, Colossians chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, where he states that Jesus Christ is God. But at the same time, even though the heavens declare that he is God, he does not consider his equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Basically like this. Jesus isn't saying, you know what? I don't know about that whole putting on flesh, going to earth, dying on a cross thing. I'm God. That's for the birds. That's, that's not what he's saying. He actually does not take it, an advantage just because he's God. And it, it, actually, in other words, he actually says, you know, I'm going to do something just like my father wanted me to do it. I'm going to do something that is completely focused. I'm going to be undivided in mission. And that's really what the first distinctive of a mindset of Christ is, undivided. There's a character in the movie uh, Up that Pixar depicts, and it, it's my favorite uh, character. It's Doug the dog. And I don't know if you've ever seen, do you, do you remember this movie and Doug the dog? But this is basically Doug, okay? He's going along in his mission, and then he goes, squirrel! He's going along, he's going along, going along, going along, squirrel! I mean, that's what he does over and over and over and over again. And Doug's mission is gone. And this is exactly what happens in my life. Like a, like a ship tossed in the sea, completely losing track of the mission, which is the commission of the kingdom. And we get so far off track, ladies and gentlemen, we lose our perspective of true north. And we end up in Worryville, or we end up in miserable municipality or wherever it is and what happens is we over we end up over here and because of sin and pride and the mind monsters in our life we then begin to make excuses like i'll just try this once just just this once and the, and the mind monster is so if you do it just once does that mean it's not wrong or how about this one well i'm not the only one there's others Like that, 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 that mind monster basically is saying, hey, you know what? You're going to stand before God and he's going to wait for you to get all your posse around before he judges you all. That's not, that's not going to happen. Or another excuse is, if nobody knows, it's okay. Hey, if, no, if it's a secret, it's, it's okay. Or how about this one? But I love him. But I love her. Our culture, our world says, just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. And we're, we kind of go along, we agree with this, but then if you're a parent, you're not going to go, go along with that. I mean, let's just say you have a 14-year-old daughter, and she walks up to you, she says, Daddy? And you're like, yes. And she says, hey, I have some news for you. Um, I want you to meet Larry. I love him. He's going to move in a basement with me. He's 55. Now look, I, I offended all the Larrys in the first service, okay? And I apologize if your name's Larry, or you're 55, okay? But as a parent, you're not going to allow this. But then as adults, we just, uh, well, just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. 
Or how about this excuse? Well, she deserves it. He deserves it. Did you see what he did? Man, it couldn't have happened to him any worse. And he deserved everything. But here's the thing about lies and, and the mind monsters that breathe them, that, that they're just like fear. And when the light of truth from Jesus has shined upon a, a, a fear, what begins to happen is that fear is it just, it's uncovered. And when it's uncovered, you realize, well, I shouldn't have been afraid anyways. When, and really, the ultimate root of a fear is, well, God's not in control. But then when you realize God is in control, then the fear, it's like, oh, yeah, I can see again. Ah, I get it. It's the same way with a lie. So instead of being divided and, and finding ourselves full of excuses, would, would we remain focused? And would the mind of the master be the master of our own mind? And Paul continues in verse 7. He says, rather... He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Paul is saying that Christ, he became a man, a true human being. And the words, he made himself nothing, are literally that, that he emptied himself. And that word empty, it comes from the Greek word keno. And keno means this, that he divested himself of all self-interest, but not as deity. Sam Gordon, he wrote it this way. At his incarnation, Jesus became what he never was, yet never ceased to be what he eternally is. This is like you and I deciding that we're going to be a turkey tick. They're the, I mean, could you think of anything worse than being a turkey tick? Who, you know, and this is, the humility. This is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But it just doesn't end there. Let, let me explain it this way by form of a question. If you were the Son of God, okay, let's just say that for a moment, you got to be the Son of God. And because you're the Son of God, you get to, you're going to come to earth, put on flesh, and, and because you're God, you're God, you get determined what you're going to look like. How tall you are, what color eyes you're going to have, the, the, the color hair you're going to have. Let me just ask you, ladies, like, what would you decide? Well, you, you could have choice of what, how, what waist size you would have. You could have what, how tall you are, how much you weigh, what you look in the mirror. You could have all choices. You know, you guys in the room, you could decide what size your biceps are, and how athletic you are. I mean, and, and women, if you had that choice, you, you may make the choice to stop traffic all the time. You would want to look that good, right? Or for you guys, you would want a combination of maybe Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise and Denzel Washington, Robert Redford, Steve Walker, and Ryan Brown. Like just all rolled into one, right? But the Son of God, he chose to be found in the appearance of a man. And the only description we have of Christ is found in Isaiah 53, 2 and 3. It says this, he had no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, no appearance that we should be attracted to him. Basically, all this to say that he was a run-of-the-mill, everyday-looking Joe. And Paul said that he took the very nature of a servant. And it points to the lowly and humble position that he was willingly able and wanted to obey the Father and to serve others. And this is impressive because of the incredible sheer factor of the creator God that he was. 
There's a song I've been listening to, and it, it's my favorite song right now. I play it all the time, and it's called So Will I by Hillsong. And it says this, that God of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of time, with no point of reference, you spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of light. And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born. In the vapor of your breath, the planets form. If the stars were made to worship, so will I. If I can see your heart in everything you've made, every burning star, signal fire of grace. If creation sings your praises, so will I. And we should sing his praises and shout to the glory of God. But at the same time, this glorious king was the most humble. And that's really the second distinctive of a mindset of Christ, and that is humility. Humility is this, if we could define it, that it's not thinking less of yourselves, but it's just thinking of yourself less often. That's what humility is. And this flies in the face of our culture. Our culture says, well, it's my right. It's my, I'm owned to it, right? That, that I deserve it. That it's, that it's mine. That, that I deserve it. That we deserve it. And this is what Christ said. Christ didn't say that, that <clears throat> he didn't say that, that I deserve it. He said, instead of I deserve, he said, I'm going to serve. Let, let me say that again. He didn't say, look, I deserve. He said, I will serve. In fact, he didn't just say that, but he said, look, I'm going to outserve everybody. What would it like for you to say, you know what, it's not about what I deserve, it's about how I can serve. What would it look like for you to say that in your marriage? Let's just stop there for a minute. Hey guys, what would it look like for you to outserve your bride? Like whatever she's doing, it's like your own mental game. You're like, I'm going to beat her. She does the dishes, well, I'm doing it three times. Take that, right? Okay, wives, spouses, listen to this. What would it look like for you to outserve your husband? But he doesn't deserve it. He's, you're probably right, okay? But here's the thing. We didn't deserve Christ either. That's humility. Not only that, but, but are we teachable? Humility says... And has a teachable spirit. Are we a know-it-all or are we willing to humble ourselves? Then Paul continues in verse 7. He says, Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The third distinctive of having a mindset of Christ is this, receptive. The third mindset of having a mindset of Christ is receptive. What I mean by that is Jesus, he walked upon a hill that he created. He got up on a tree, a cross that he literally had made, and then he died upon it willingly. Why? Because it was out of obedience, starting in his mind, flowing through his body to outward obedience to the Father's wish and will. Not out of duty, but out of devotion he did this. You know, with my daughter's I love it. I take great joy in it. When my daughters will willingly obey, out of joy will they obey. They will just do it out of a heart of sincerity. And it will start here and it will flow out of their body. As opposed in the contrast to this. (laughs) 
You see, to be receptive. It's not just about outward obedience. It's not just about doing duties. It's about devotion. Plate comes by, it's like, gosh. You're in a marriage that it's tough. I'm not going to get divorced, but I'm going to make sure that everyone knows I'm miserable. I'm going to do that go serve thing because they keep talking about it. But you know what? It's in the middle of college football. As Christians, we can be so good at outward obedience, but at the very core, we can just do it out of duty and not devotion. And then Paul, in verse 9, he says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That knowing that every knee will eventually bow to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that he is Lord, and that means that he is in control, and he is above all. And that really leads to the fourth distinctive of having a mindset of Christ, and that is shalom. And shalom is this Hebrew word. That means wholeness. It means completeness. It means peace with God and man. And it's only under the lordship of Jesus this is possible. All why? Because he is Lord, he's creator, and he is in control. But so often this mindset escapes us. I'm going to say a sentence, and then I want you to finish the sentence for me. Ready? I'm ready to throw in the... I'm at my wits... What a cynical crowd. Golly. (laughs) But so often this is our our mindset. We lose focus about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And there's no shalom. And mind monsters are mastering our mind as opposed to and in contrast of the God of the universe mastering our mind. And this, when this happens... When this happens, friends, we find ourselves in a place that God never intended us to be. And it reminded me of a, 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 something in my life that happened a few years ago. Um, I spent some time on a ranch out west working. And when I was out there, we were anticipating this really big storm that was going to hit the ranch. And in preparation for the ranch, or the, the storm, um, I went to my my boss who owned the ranch, and I said, hey, you know this storm is going to hit real soon, and um, I'm really scared that it's going to you know, mess up the, our animals, and it's going to wreak havoc on the barn, and we just painted the barn, and we just got the, those three new horses, and, and you know, this and that and this, and that. we just finished cleaning up the chicken coop and all these things, and he says, ah, don't worry about it. It's all good. It's all good. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Like, why, why am I the one freaking out and you're the one that owns a place? Like, no, no, no. And I go through it again. He's like, no, 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 we're good. He said, right, just, just go eat dinner, relax, go to bed, get a nice, good night's sleep. We'll, we'll start it in the morning. He goes inside. He reads his book like he normally did, put his kids to bed, and he fell asleep. And meanwhile, I'm in my bed wide awake on Worryville Island, worrying about stuff that's not even mine. Finally, I get out of bed and I go to the barn. I open the barn. Everything has been completely battened down. 
I go to the chicken coop, and everything's exactly the way it should be. I had never done it, but guess who had done it? He had done it. And I think it's a reminder to us, and the reminder is, is that we can sleep well because he's in control. And we are secure. You know, with the storms that are hitting the United States, like right now, Irma is barreling down on the literal, the state of Florida. And on the residents are fearful for their lives. And then they're trying to, starting to rebuild Houston. And I'm excited about, uh, you know, be a part of the restoration of those two areas. And, and I want to be effective, and my heart goes out to both of them. I found this picture online just this morning. And I texted the guys and said, can you put this up? And I love it. Look at it. It's the, the hatches are battened down and it's ready for the thing. But look what they said. In God we trust. And, and I think this is what the mindset of Christ can look like in our lives. And it all starts and ends with Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus, we can have the mindset of him and we can have a different perspective on this life. So what I'd love for you to do this morning, would you stand with me? And as you stand to your feet, I'm going to ask that you would enter into a, a conversation with me, and it would be around a confession. Each and every week during this series, we're, we're wanting to put our thoughts and our minds around truth and putting the mindset of Christ in our life. It's not enough just to recognize, but we must put, the, put on the mindset through the power of the Spirit of God. And so I, what I want to do is, is I'm going to say, because of Christ Jesus, and then I want you to then read along with me. You ready? Because of Christ Jesus, let's read it out together. I am a child of God. Keep reading. For in Christ Jesus, because of Christ Jesus, let's read this out. I am, keep reading. Because of Jesus Christ, I am Christ's ambassador. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Because of Jesus Christ, let's read it to you out together. I am a masterpiece, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. Because of Jesus, let's read it out together. I am joyful. I am gentle. I am not easily offended and will not hold on to bitterness. I am patient. I am faithful. I am self-controlled and I am kind. Let's read that scripture. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And because of Jesus, let's read the next one. I am known even before I was born. Let's look at the next one. Because of Jesus, I am strong. That's right. And the next one, because of Jesus, I am secure. That's right. Because of Jesus. And here's the thing, if you are here today and one of the aspects and distinctives of putting on the mind of Christ has really impacted you this morning and you're going to leave this place asking God to, to change your mindset, here's the deal, it's not going to be easy. 
It's going to be hard. It may mean some major shifts in your life. It may, you know, mean that you stick out like a sore thumb in your culture, that you're rejected, that that it's not going to be easy, that your neighbors are going to be like, whoa, they changed. Wow, that's different. Or your, your own spouse is going to be like, whoa, what, what just happened to you? Or your, your brother, your sister is like, whoa, like, when did you get, wow. Like, it may not be easy. But ultimately, you're going to know that the mind of the master is working through you and in you. And you're going to be set free from the truth of Jesus Christ. And I just want to encourage you this morning, stay on truth and stay focused on this. And my prayer is for you and for me and this church, that may the mind of the master be the master of our 